fiction, science fiction, horror, fantasy, crime, LGBT, thriller. Back into the house of mystery. I'm Al Warren. My co-host today, Jennifer Ann Gordon. Hi, Alan. Thanks for having me back. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. Well, you you know, miss your you know, vacation all over the world and flying, jet setting. Oh right. yes, jet setting. That is what I would. That's what I pretend I'm doing. But I did. I was traveling. So that. Well, you. I saw you with some camels on. on yes, Facebook. I went. I went to Morocco. <laughs> See, this is like this is it. Did you go in your own private jet or? Oh, um, yeah, and I shared it with like three hundred other people because I was just feeling very benevolent. Um, I even sat in one of the really inexpensive seats near the the bathroom, just wow. so other people could have a great experience. Wow, what a nice nice person to do well, something it's, like it's that. The ho- it was the holidays. <laughs> well, just. <laughs> So what's going on? What did you do on New Year's and Christmas and all that? Did you, you Morocco? You were back before that. Christmas. Yeah, I was in Morocco for uh, Thanksgiving and the beginning of December. Christmas, I did absolutely nothing. I think I slept in. But on New Year's Eve, I had friends over to play board games, and we had a potato party where we all brought different potato dishes. Okay. Well, that's interesting. I see like a really good idea when we were just laughing about it in theory and then all of a sudden we just had so many potatoes like potato soup i made little mashed potato flights all different types of mashed potatoes like um yeah that's interesting did you have, <laughs> did you have potatoes you know inject it with alcohol too for people oh that was just the vodka <laughs> <laughs> interesting there we go well here we go so it's the first show for you back this is our uh Second week back in into the game now, so we've got a dynamic duo back again. It's Batman and Robin, sort of, not really, but um, we're going to be talking about a book called The Killer Enigma, Magnolia Bluff Crime Chronicles, and that's book 16. Boy, I'm tired of saying that, so here we go. We've got Charles Brakefield, thank you for being here. Thank you. And Rox Berkey, so thank you for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having us, Alan. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. So, guys, what kind of crime do you get into over the New Year's and holiday season? Um, I'm under a, uh, a non-disclosure for those kinds of questions, Alan. <laughs> you should have addressed that, Charles, before the show when we said, is there anything we can't talk about? Yeah. <laughs> now we're intrigued. <laughs> we got the police records here and pictures. <laughs> so, you know, what do you do over uh, holidays? Do you guys stop writing, either one of you? Like, uh, Charles, do you stop writing over the holidays? No, it's, 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 I have so much fun doing it. I mean, I, I probably ought to be arrested for, for, that, for that having that much fun without laughing. So, uh, uh, you know, just you know, plotting through stories, um, some of the uh, marketing uh, approaches, uh, some of the new things that you can learn. You know, hey, I haven't tried this yet. I wonder what this does. Oh, it blows up in your face, and you got to relearn what you thought you knew. 
So um, it's good. It's a good time to be able to practice. It's a good time to be able to uh, exercise the uh, the little gray cells, as the Haku Perot would say, um, and look for you know new uh, attack vectors in the, uh, uh, in the in the Crime Chronicles world. Oh, I bet. So how about you, Rox? What do you do? Are you, you, you're the party animal, aren't you? Oh, yeah, I am the party animal. Actually, I was actually pretty busy. I did some travel, but it was certainly not as exciting as Jennifer's travel. I want to get on your travel schedule, Jennifer. That would be really fun. Camels. <laughs> Camels and warmth just seem to really attract me right this moment. It was amazing, I won't lie. I bet it was. Um, but I actually went, I made a few trips to Denver. Um, and visited some bookstores and had a lot of fun doing that. Um, got to see some of the most beautiful snowfall. And this was when Texas was sitting at, you know, 78 degrees. So it was one of those snowfall issues where you kind of wave goodbye to it after a couple of days. It was great that way. That was a lot of fun. And then I've, I've been visiting family over the holidays, doing a lot of driving and making, had a cookie event. So once a year, I try to put together an event with my closest author friends in the area, and um, Charles comes over to help, too, and, and make sure that everybody is on track with the cookies. And we cook, oh, I don't know, um, somewhere around, I want to say 10 dozen, or no, it was more than that, probably 20 dozen cookies of all different yeah. colors and shapes and sizes, and, you know, took pictures of them, and had a lot of fun in between there. You know, it's um, not like injecting vodka into potatoes. However, I was going to say, did you have <laughs> potato cookies? No potato cookies. No potato cookies. But I got to tell you, the amaretto ones were great. Yeah, see, Ooh, they, they go the fastest. Okay, I'm telling you, they go the fastest. Now we're getting the truth. <laughs> yeah, and that's with me, you know, making sure that everybody's, uh, uh, you know, uh, adult beverages uh, well brimmed, so that they, uh, they they can slop up some of the uh, some of the recipes, and, and uh, we all get to laugh about it. Well, next year you have to do a potato cookie. I, I think that would be fun. I, I, I don't know where the sweet side of that would be. I don't look at that, Jennifer. I may have to call you. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not good with sweet things, hence why I just did potatoes at my party. But, um, but yeah, now I'm intrigued. Well, there you go. I think, didn't you bring home a camel, too, Jennifer? <laughs> snuck it on the plane. Oh, my snuck it on the plane, yeah. I mean, that's what happens when you have a private jet. You can. Yeah. <laughs> I just got to know, do they spit, really? Um, the, it wasn't too bad. I was a little bit scared. Um, but I feel like, so when we were riding these camels, a bunch of their little babies were coming along with us. And I feel like all of the, the camel parents were on their best behavior because their, uh, little, little baby camels were with them. So no spitting. Oh. Other, other, other bodily fluids, but no oh. spitting. <laughs> That's for the X-rated version, not this. Oh, no, not those kind of bodily fluids. <laughs> Well, guys, so you're back now. What um, now? This killer enigma. Let's let's talk about that. You know, it's book sixteen. Um, so, what is this series uh, about? So, people that don't know you or don't know the series, let's let's give a basic rundown of what this series is. Uh, we can start with what Charles. The Crime Chronicles series started about uh, I guess almost two years ago, three years ago. Uh, we were invited to participate with uh, uh, a flock of, uh, well, not a flock, but nine, nine or ten other uh, authors in this, uh, this, this uh, interesting uh, event called the Crime Chronicles. 
it got started from a uh, uh, one of the, uh, the uh, one of our renegade friends said, "Here, I need something for my uh, my blog post." They threw out a picture of a boat to all of us and said, "Write me a short story in your own genre, and uh, you get uh, two weeks." We sent through uh, you know, that um, uh, to him, and uh, everybody had so much fun. You know, imagine a single picture of, of a uh, boat kind of washed up and everybody's imagination running wild in their particular genre writing the story. And we took it, assembled it, published it, uh, and uh, it was uh, such a fun, fun exercise that somebody said, you know, we could do this with uh, a whole city. Let's invent a city, which is what, what we did, Magnolia Bluff in Texas, naturally, because um, we had some of the best crime uh, you can, uh, money can buy in, uh, in this state. And um, we got to participate in the first year, the second year, invited back for the third year, and uh, we even have a position on the fourth year. And everybody writes their own book, has the uh, it, uh, you know, uh, creative content uh, licensing on it, uh, but it's part of the series, and we use the same similar blend, branding, for all the, all the books, same similar sort of pricing, we even shop it back and forth with each other, saying, "Okay, uh, how does this look? Uh, what do you think?" Um, you know, to help give it that extra um, polish. We use some of the same characters. Um, it's a uh, it's been kind of a fun exercise because you have to be careful not to whack somebody's character that they want to keep, uh, and vice versa. So. Um, but uh, imagine looking at your hometown and a whole bunch of people putting together a single story from their point of view, and um, it's all about uh, the different crimes and uh, uh, the different uh, individuals that, uh, uh, that we find within the, uh, the organization, and it, it's uh, definitely a lot of fun. And rocks? Maybe, maybe you want to give a description of, of the book. Um, yeah, I think it's very interesting, and, and you did highlight that, that we have book 16 with the Killer Enigma, which we do. We also had book five in the series called The Flower Enigma. And as Charles was saying, this does take place in Texas, but it's actually in the hill country of Texas. And for those who haven't been there, the, this is an area that's, that's really pretty. It's about rolling hills, and I, I emphasize the word hills because we probably aren't over 200 feet above sea level. Okay, so they're definitely hills, not mountains. Um, but they're fun, and they're small communities, small town, originally settled places that, that some stayed, some didn't stay, and this one happened to, to grow up near a reservoir in Texas. And so, you know, each of the authors creates their own characters, their own scenario, but if you have ever lived in a town where everybody knows everybody's business, that's like Texas. Um, and so the point of views are different, and... and you know, I, I I like my next-door neighbor, but Charles doesn't like the next-door neighbor, and there may be for two different reasons. So that's why we can use these characters and, and make them fun. But we have our own police. We have our own librarian. Uh, and every one of the authors does write a self-contained book, so there's no cliffhanger, per se, in any of these. But it's been fun. Um, and, and they're just – somebody dies. Most of them are along the, the genre of cozy mystery kind of style, which for us was a big, a big leap because we've been doing thrillers. We haven't really been doing the cozy mystery style. So that was one of the reasons it was so intriguing to, to jump into here. So, you know, we've got a cozy mystery thing going on. And Killer Enigma, it was a, 
I don't know, how many years was it in the making? Like 30 years in the making or something like that to actually uncover the secrets. Yep. Um, this sounds really, I don't want to say overwhelming, but I just can't believe the organization this must take <laughs> for not only you two are writing together, but, you know, kind of collaborating with all of these different people. Um, so I'll get back to that. I want to talk a little bit about the whole cozy mystery thing, because when you said that, like my ears perked up, mm -hmm. um, because I don't know, like, how did you go about creating a cozy mystery vibe in this whole like techno thriller way that you're used to writing? Like, was that difficult? Did you have to start engrossing yourself in cozy mysteries? Were you watching murder? She wrote. Well, fortunately, I, I don't watch TV. Uh, I'm one of these rare people that just, I don't watch TV. If I have free time, I write. But I do read a lot and I review a lot of books across a whole myriad of genres. Um, and so the, many of the authors that are in here actually started with Cozy Mysteries. So we have had a little bit of mentoring in order to be able to do this and we're good friends with them. But But it was different. So what we do is... You know, the, the cozy mystery, as we understand it, is, you know, people people die. You're not necessarily seeing blood and gore and all of that kind of stuff. And any romance that would ever possibly happen in a cozy history, mystery would happen behind closed doors. So you, it's, a, it's a whole different viewpoint. But, you know, we can't always eliminate all of the technology. And so we do use some of the techno stuff to solve some of the mysteries that are going on in Magnolia Bluff. Well, and we did get, uh, to be fair, we did get uh, a, a good, hefty taste of mysteries in all of the uh, in our techno thrillers, uh, because that's, it always, okay, how, how, is this, how is this happening? Why is this happening? And it's, uh, those were events, and you know, we, we had, uh, I think, like, I'd like to say, good practice in the, in the, in the, the thriller series of, of mysteries, but taking them into a, a, a particular town with a particular point of view, uh, and to be able to uh, have it uh, shoehorn nicely into the uh, uh, the cozy mystery th uh, series, um, I think we've had good success being able to uh, uh, obey the rules uh, for uh, for cozy mystery and uh, have fun with some of the uh, the technology. Way you know, kind of very in the background, not spending a whole lot of time on it, but uh, always drawing up on it when it's necessary to be able to solve a crime. What you know when you when you take the uh, small town kind of feeling and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, what do you what do you think like the difference is? Uh, of course, it's obvious, but when you're writing, how do you how do you capture that feeling for someone that's never been to a small town or lived in a small town? I guess I should say they never grew up. So, what what kind of elements do you have to add just to make sure people kind of get it? So we decided that we would we would have some of the elements that we see in small towns. Um, in Texas, because we're in, uh, so it makes it a little easier from that perspective. But most of the small towns that that have survived, you know, they 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 know everybody. They sometimes have a square, you know, a town square where you have a clock and you have a couple of uh, uh, major, and I say major in a, in a very tongue in cheek kind of way, businesses that have survived for a couple of generations, perhaps. They're not huge. They're not desperately powerful. You know, they have festivals to celebrate almost everything on the planet just because they want to be able to get together. They have picnics. They go to church. But the, each each person has their own, I don't know, idiosyncrasy. So we chose 
um, that our visitors to Magnolia Bluff went to a bed and breakfast. Uh, and the bed and breakfast is, you know, they cook their own food in the morning. They have maybe 10 rooms that they're offering to guests as far as overnight kind of stays. And um, they know everything about everyone, kind of like, um, uh, you know, listening to a phone call. It's like they're always listening or telling somebody. Yeah, one of the uniquenesses about it is, is that they say, uh, they don't say, oh, go to the hardware store. They go say, go to Bill's place. Go to, uh, instead of going to the library, go see uh, Caroline. They all know what the, who that is or where that is as soon as you say who because they're, uh, they have that kind of identity uh, with uh, the people and the, uh, the business that they're, that they're referring somebody to. And so it's, uh, when they, you don't call the police, you know, you, you call Tommy, Tommy Yager. Uh, those are the kind of subtleties that you don't get in a big town. But it's, 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 it's ingrained in the small town. So you want to know about potatoes and, and you know, you called, <laughs> you called go, Jen, to go to Jennifer. She, she does all Jennifer that. would yeah. be perfect in there. You're going to have a new little business called uh, Jennifer's Taters. Yeah, Jennifer's Potato Parties. That could be a potato party planner. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I love, like, I am like, I think uh, books and TV shows and movies set in small towns, I'm so fascinated by it. Um, like growing up maybe on like Twin Peaks and I read Peyton Place when I was too young. I just love that every small town has a million little stories brewing right underneath. Um, is there kind of like a soap operatic feel to any of these cozy mysteries that you've been writing? I think to kind of a degree, Jennifer, you're spot on. Um, yeah. Because everybody wants to know what everybody did and why they did it and who who went out with somebody or who killed somebody and why would they kill them? And, oh, my gosh, that happened in high school and they did what? I mean, you know, that kind of judgmental kind of attitudes that you get with, like you say, the little small town soap operas or, or places. I live in a small town. I get it. <laughs> and, and, see, that's the beauty of this is because a lot of people do live in small towns, not in Texas. But there are elements of this that I believe bring readers into the story. Because even if you don't know Lily personally, you know somebody like her if you've been in your in your location for a number of years. Because you get acquainted with people. I mean, at one point we have uh, uh, Lily uh, calling 911, and she barks under the phone, and... Um, there's a dis, this disbelief. I won't go into all the uh, the portion uh, portion of it, but uh, she snarls at it and says, "Robert, don't use that tongue with me." She already knows who she's talking to. She already knows when she calls nine one one, it's Robert. Um, you know, he's the one in the uh, that's uh, usually answers the phone for for this city, this municipality. So um, they know each other. They're well plugged in. Uh, they know each other's foibles, and that's, that's, that's sort of the fun exercise of teasing that out during the story. As you get to the part where it's like, we have a dead body? Really? How do we, who did this? You know, um, well, so let, it, let us find out. Now, who, who have you used in real life in this? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask that. I was like, and how many of these people are, are based on your writer friends that were at your cookie party? Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, I don't know how you couldn't, because how couldn't you, in a sense, because if you're in a really small place and there's only a, so many people, I don't know how they couldn't creep into these books when you're writing it this way. So elements of them certainly do. 
we actually have one of the one of the authors at the cookie party, and she had five groups of friends that she went out with, and they all wanted to buy four parts in her, her next book in this particular series. So it, it, there are elements of people that that we know, and of course they're still under non-disclosure. Charles said that up front where we can't talk about who they are. <laughs> the truth behind the fiction. Yeah. The most popular place in town, though. Can you guys guess that? Because I, I mean, it's it's kind of stunning if you think about it. The hardware store. No, it's the cemetery. It gets the most business. <laughs> I should have guessed that. My horror credentials are going out the window. I know, Jennifer. I, I thought you'd have it. Should have. I should have gone with my instincts. Well, you know. Um, so now, okay, what is a techno thriller when you when you talk about stuff? And how do you? I'm guessing. I kind of know that there's some technology aspects. So how do you know what to incorporate in something like that? So in the so in the in the cozy mystery, we use. Um, the technology knowledge that our one of our characters has, uh, one of our protagonists has, J um, JJ, to specifically help identify different things in a much faster manner, and in working in conjunction with the police, and so um, that that's how we leverage the technology in the, in the cozy mystery. In the thrillers, then it's much more involved and much more. You know, lots and lots of technology, high-tech stuff, you know, on the leading edge being used and leveraged into into the different stories. But there's still a certain amount of satellite communication and, and access to to volumes of data to help sift through and find historical information or deeds of records, which is part of what that particular story was. How did all of the original foundational problems uh, transfers because it, there is so much data out there. If you have access to data and you know how to go through it, you can get answers pretty quickly. So I, I think that's how we leverage the, the technology or the techno aspect in this book. I don't know, Charles, can you add on to that? Uh, that's uh, it's more the uh, the amount or the uh, how deep the, uh, the the technology threat is. Now, in the techno thrillers, I mean, basically, it's you know. Uh, you know, an easy one to be able to describe is uh, you know, ransomware. You know, all right, who's launched this? Uh, we're being held hostage. Quick, you know, I need help. Uh, you know, freeing all my technology from the grip of this uh, ransomware, and that might have a, a greater flavor uh, in the techno thriller. In the Magnolia Bluff series, we uh, we tend to uh, it tends to you know take a, a very secondary uh, uh, position, and we do more of the uh, amateur sleuthing. Um, more of the uh, you know uh, let's let's go see these people and, and uh, talk through it, much like a, a regular uh, detective would. Um, but uh, that's not their first job. Their first job was actually trying to have a uh, you know a getaway weekend, rediscover the romance, and they step into a crime that's like okay uh, they can't walk away from uh, because they it, it looks like you know uh, it's their fault. So you know they need a certain amount of um, clarity. From the, from the situation, they want to be able to help solve uh, a 30-year-old uh, mystery, and um, if they use a little bit of technology to be able to do that, that's okay too. And so, when you've got the two main characters, JJ and Joe, how do you write that with two of you? Like, does one do one character, one do the other, or do you just both collaborate on the characters? I love this question. Thank you, Alan. I, that's one of my favorites. <laughs> no, we we really we do collaborate on the characters. Characters have certain attributes to them 
girls are different from boys. Um, but we don't write specifically from one character to another. We, we write a chapter at a time. So he'll write one chapter, I'll write something else. And based on the outline of where we want the story to go. So we divide it by chapters. Then we, then we exchange it to make certain that the flavor of the dialogue, the flavor of the actions are suitable for a guy or a girl. And, and that's worked very well for us because he'll come back and say, there's no guy on the planet that's going to say it the way you said it. Um, and so then, then we change it. And the same thing, same thing goes through, even though he's got daughters, some of the, some of the girls language is very different from, uh, from what he says sometimes. So we smooth it. So it sounds like a single voice and it's hard to tell who writes which portions. And one of the, one of the best compliments we get is when somebody says, so which one of you wrote this? And the answer is always yes. Because one, we probably don't know who actually wrote that line anymore. It's, it's been through so many versions. Well, we know Charles writes for the female character. <laughs> Heck yeah. Well, then it has to be edited so that uh, it sounds like a female actually wrote it, or uh, said it. So, uh, yeah. uh, uh, full disclosure, there it is. So how long have you two been collaborating like this? And so that's one question. And I also, when you said you exchanged chapters, are you writing the books chronologically? Or do you kind of vie for like, oh, I know in Chapter 20 this is going to happen and I want to write it right now? Um, so how long have you been doing this and and then the process itself, chronological? Okay. You wanted me to take that one, Roxanne? Go right ahead. All right. So to answer your question, how long we've we been collaborating uh, like this on, on writing since the first part of the century? Oh no, not again. Yeah, she hates it when I do that. It cracks me up. You know, think about the. Uh, uh, so uh, we were doing techno uh, tech man manuals before we uh, we hit on the idea, or she hit on the idea. Uh, after I got uh, got irritated with the uh, you know having to write rewrite uh, the technical manuals, she, hey, let, let's. let's short circuit this. Let's just do uh, fiction. You know, uh, we'll do fiction and we'll bake in some, uh, some technical goodies and uh, that way you can, uh, you know, do the propeller head thing that you love to do, Charles, and, and uh, we'll tell stories that are engaging and uh, satisfying. And so um, that's been pretty much the way that we've uh, been working. It's probably close to 15, uh, 15 years in the, in the fictional area is the, probably the best way that I can categorize it based on uh, the instant message window I got from, uh, from Rox. And so um, there's that, uh, that, that extra reminder of, you know, for things I forget. But the, uh, you know, uh, how, do we, how do we do the, you know, these kind of chapters? Are there some chapters that just spring to life? I, I, I do not recall how many times I've woken up from a, a power nap or come up from, a, from you know, before breakfast like, I know that chapter that I'm going to write. I don't know where it's going to end up. I never think in terms of, you know, where, number, uh, Jennifer, you know, chapter 20. Uh, it's like, here's an event. Here's a part of the story I know has to be plugged in uh, at some point. And that's where the uh, uh, the creativity of, uh, of Madame Berkey comes in. She goes, I know. And she says the most terrifying four words in her vocabulary. I have an idea. <laughs> So, Rox, you have to tell us what, 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 you know, when, when Charles writes a really bad character chapter, what do you, how do you tell him? How do I tell him? Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't. I just keep moving it in the story or I cut it. 
I was going to say, can you just delete it and say, oh, my gosh, something weird happened with no. my computer? You probably can't get away with that because you guys know technical things. Yeah, yeah, oh, no, no, you she sent me a that, picture of the uh, delete key. Okay, that's what I get. <laughs> oh, come on now. No, but I, I will. If it, can be, if it can be leveraged, you know, writing is interesting. If you sit down and you write something every day, sometimes it's not going to be in your book. It might be in a blog. It might go here. It might go there. Um, so I have this little glass half full belief that you you save that nugget for some point in time, and so if it can fit into the book, if it's if it's never that bad. He's a very good writer, so it may move on to a further place. There was one instance in one book where he wrote a chapter, and it started out that he gave me the chapter when we were like on chapter six. It finally found its home in about fifty four. Wow. Just I, you know, wanted to see if there was some some fighting going on here. We want some gossip and we want drama. No, we rock paper scissors. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Just lie to us. Lie to the <laughs> lie to the listeners. We're not lying. I mean, she wins. Whenever it comes down to that, okay, I want this. I want that. All right, rock paper scissors. I have never won a rock paper scissors competition with her ever. So when it comes down to that, okay. Whatever you want to move it off, you know, hit the, I'll hit the delete key if you, if you don't like it, fine. Wow, there you go. Um, but, okay, so listen, um, so what do each of you get out of um, writing? Like, what is it that, you, you know, does it, did you get a, does it change you, or do you kind of have some growth when you write through your characters like this? Um, start with rocks. I do. I, I really, I, I think every time I address a character and find a new a new element to put into them, I do. I think I do better, and I think I, I, um, I, I, got, I get a little charge out of it. It's like, wow, I, I finally got how I really wanted them to behave, or how I really thought, or they tell me how they want to behave. But, but mostly, I think it's just that I finally get my head screwed on the right way, and and it works. Um, but I like it because it gives me a chance to, to explore. Explore differences in, in in a way I can't do it in just regular work. You know, I mean, people think you're pretty weird if you do it that way. But in a book, you can get away with it. And Charles, what about yourself? A lot of what'll what'll happen to me is that uh, I'll I'll sit behind the the, uh, the the sunglasses of that character and just okay, here's the the surroundings, here's the the event, here's the, uh, the circumstances that they're uh, how would I that particular scenario. And sometimes, what I, you know, I get to get to cranking on it, and the the character will tell me, no, 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 I want to take the the story this way, not the way that you're doing. And so it's that that aha moment of like, oh, it's teaching me something. And so it, it's a um, exploration, it's a discovery. It's sometimes it's fun, sometimes it's a little spooky because uh, it's like um, I'll come up with something that uh, you know, rocks will, will say, oh wow, this is. This is better than usual. I, let, let me let me see what I can do with it. That's always very gratifying. So, um, that, that's a those were events with the um, I I'd like cultivating. That was the most. Well, and you guys, it sounds like live through your characters. You hear them. You you interact with them. You have a relationship with them. So, um, what happens to them when you have to kill them, or when they die, or when they go away, or if a book ends? Um, do your characters leave? You know, the reason we started the, the books, the thriller books, the first series, um, and, and Charles said, well, oh, good, here's, here's the first chapter. He bought into my idea. 
He goes, this will be a trilogy. And I went, no, it's a series because I don't want to have to kill these people. And so we have killed them, and, and, and it's so sad. The bad guys getting killed never bothers me at all. But the good guys, you know, the good guys dying, that's, no, it's tough. It's like losing a friend. It's like losing a family member. We actually had to back up um, on a uh, on a character that uh, we had a we had a strong affinity to, but and we at first thought, well, let's go ahead and whack her, and oh, we got to it like read through it and like, no, 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 do something else. We're going to reuse her at some point, and we did, uh, and she actually showed up in a couple of different uh, uh, books. Um, always the uh, uh, she's uh, known as Master Poe. And she uh, actually had uh, greater longevity than what uh, I ever envisioned. But because the stories that showed up, the uh, the thought uh, story threads like that we looked at, um, we plug in characters. There are we've got a what I would consider a fairly good uh, character universe um, that have uh, probably run the gamut of most of the uh, books we want to be able to. Do. That's why we started the second series in the uh, um, Enigma Tracer um, as a sort of a compendium or sort of the, the next phase of um, the people who take over after you're gone. So um, it's a very interesting approach. Uh, you plug in characters, you, you take them out. Uh, um, probably the best uh, compliment I remember uh, was a reviewer that complained. He said, I didn't want to feel sorry for that guy, I could, but I couldn't help myself. I really I really didn't want to see. I felt so sorry for him, even though he was um, an antagonist. And so um, that's when we know we're hitting on all cylinders for a character. And sometimes they come back and sometimes they don't. They just maybe drift off. I love that, Charles. Um, honestly, I think as writers in general, I think it's one of our favorite compliments when somebody really loves one of our villains oh, yeah. or something, you know, or, or understands them. Uh, do each of you have... A favorite character that you just absolutely adore writing? Roxy can take I, I've had different characters that I like along the way. I, I like the, the first character, the main protagonist in Factor, and he he grew up and changed, and he's been in a couple of short, short stories, and and um, Jacob Michaels is, is who he is, and he's, he's one of my favorites. The very best favorite that probably will never die, fortunately, is Ichabod. And Ichabod's a supercomputer with every possible capability there is. And, boy, it's been fun writing him. I'd have to agree with that. The uh, Ichabod is the uh, artificial enhanced, intelligent enhanced supercomputer. Uh, in book five, he uh, petitions the, uh, his, uh, his, the main uh, uh, um, programmer, uh, Dr. Quip. He says, I don't understand humor. Explain humor to me. And we have... Fun with little snippets of that dashing in and out of, of the, uh, the techno thriller. I mean, they're trying to figure out, you know, you know, who's uh, who's distorting the uh, commodities market, who's uh, uh, you know tampering with the future, who's uh, predicting. It's like, whoa! Uh, and then, you know, here's the supercomputer helping you break the uh, the the, uh, the bad guys down, and he wants to learn about humor. Um, it, it's those kind of juxtapositions that uh, we like to explore throughout the books, and and. Uh, Ichabod, uh, it, it's a. We started poking fun at ourselves as technologists uh, early on. Um, it, it's actually an acronym, and it stands for Immersive Collaborative Associative Binary Override Deterministic Systems. Um, 
it, which doesn't really mean anything, but it, it was a fun uh, string of characters to be able to uh, refer to. And uh, he basically, uh, he's uh, probably my favorite character for the, to write for in the, in the series. So how do you, how do you uh, tackle writing your bad people? Uh, you said you really liked writing evil characters or, you know, so, so. Um, so how is it that you explain that? Or how, how much do you, detail do, do you put into your bad people? Some of them have quite a quite a bit of detail, and we we either get it from from people that we have known and worked with that have been close to the leading edge of evil, or um, a combination. Which a lot of our characters are really a, a combination to a degree, become their own their own person, as it were. But some of them, quite a few, um, uh, in in this particular um, book that we're talking about, the Killer Enigma. The bad character in this book appears very early, and it's not obvious how bad they are. It's not it's not um, quite there, but there are layers to everybody, and you peel back the layers of the person and why they did or did not do the steps to get to where they are today. Um, it's, it's always interesting. The, the kind of the psychology behind it is it's fascinating to me that people could be so icky. <laughs> For lack of a better term, some people are just icky. <laughs> is that the technical term? Yeah, the technical that is term. My technical yeah. Term. Icky. Yeah. Icky. Well, we at one point uh, we were uh, every once in a while we'll get this uh, idea. Hey, let's uh, let's petition our uh, our email uh, uh, folks and say uh, we're looking for some uh, some characters for this next uh, next book. Who wants to be the evil genius? Who wants to be the evil femme fatale? And who wants to be the reluctant hero? And you wouldn't believe how many people show up saying, oh, I, I, I want the uh, evil genius. And uh, I pulled it on somebody at one, one of the conventions we were at. And, uh, his buddy looked at me and goes, I can see the uh, evil part, not the genius, oh. though. <laughs> oh, there you go. Well, but we still want some names of these bad people so we can get them on the phone here. <laughs> Start a debate here. Well, the the, the, the couple that uh, that I immortalized uh, uh, at Rox's uh, uh, forbearance was in Enigma uh, Rising. Um, we did a lot of character study, and most of them were people I know, have known, um, and um, hopefully they're still behind bars. <laughs> so you you hang out with a lot of people behind bars, do you? Not anymore. Well, you know, For not anymore. Yeah, I'm on parole. Okay, you know, hey. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. See, we're getting the detail here. Yeah. <laughs> I want to know. So what is it that, when you're doing a book like this, what is it you hope people will take away from the book? So, you know, I pick it up, take it home, read it. What is it? Is it pure entertainment? Is that is that it? Or do you have some sort of subtext or meaning? I think for these books specifically, uh, in this particular Magnolia Bluff Crime Chronicles, it's, it's that they enjoy the stories and find them find them creative and fulfilling and, you know, like a great mystery, lots of twists and turns. The, the techno-thrillers, there's always been a hidden message of, um, of people taking care of their security in dealing in our connected world. Um, and there's different little things in there without writing a, a textbook for them, without de- delivering a class in college, just kind of, yeah, take care of yourself a little bit. But no, the mysteries are different from uh, what I want people to get out. What do you want, Charles? What do you want people to get out? I want them to you know close the chapter, you know, the close the book, and say, "What a great story." 
you know, I was, uh, uh, I didn't see the twist that, the, you know, I expected to be able to do it this way, and you guys surprised me. That's, that's gratifying, because it means that, the, you know, um, and I've done that, you know, hey, I know where this is going, like, ooh, wow, well, this is good. Um, they outthought me, and that's, you know, that maybe that's a bit, uh, you know, vanity on my part, thinking I cannot think of other people, but um, entertaining them. Giving him that, uh, here's a, a chance to be able to escape mentally, and you know, and uh, enjoy something uh, that's uh, basically risk-free. If it gets too intense, just close the book and pick it up some other time. Well, in, in, so speaking of uh, the connected world, do you guys um, are you guys interacting with social media a lot, website, all that? Do you do you like readers to find you on social media and 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 communicate or? Absolutely, um, we do, and so Enigma series is pretty much the way to get a hold of us, even with these cozy mysteries. Um, and and the website, you know, enigmaseries.com, will have samples of free things, mailing lists, downloads, even some some ways for people to protect themselves. You know, like you know, simple things like I know it's going to seem obvious, but a lot of people still don't know how to do passwords and why you have to do them. Uh, and the fact that you don't take them under your keyboard. You just don't. Oh, you don't? <laughs> no. I have mine written on a little notepad that's just next to my desk. Yeah. <laughs> now everybody knows. Exactly. <laughs> well, and we don't recommend passwords. We, we recommend passphrases because they're harder to guess and they take more characters. And so, you know, uh, one, of, uh, one of my older uh, uh, Password phrases of uh, uh, buy poison to be able to kill the neighbor because uh, he parked his car in my yard again. Well, those are really difficult passphrases to guess for. Uh, so that's the kind of thing that, but it's easy to remember because you know, he's always parking in my yard. So um, that's the kind of thing that uh, you know we uh, we we harp on. You know, the, the, tech, the do the easy things first, and, and technology is what they say. Uh, and that's uh, that's what we capture. But uh, we do give some uh, some good, credible uh, tips and uh, recommendations for protecting your your online internet security. Well, and he was your neighbor was parking on the yard, but he disappeared. That's why they <laughs> killed him off in one of the cozy mysteries. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. He died in that yeah. bed and breakfast. Exactly, and that was one of the guys we didn't want to bring up because you know it just we can't can't do that. The trial's still going on. Yeah. Too soon. Too soon. You know, I, I, I'm always leery about telling people I plan for stuff because the next thing I know, I'm in front of a judge and they're, they're screaming, you know, premeditated. So you got, I got to be careful, you know. Be careful what you write. Are you doing social media then too? Or you guys can make people find you on uh, TikTok? Not <laughs> TikTok. Absolutely not. We we did that for ten, for a minute and decided that was probably not where we wanted to go. But you have, there's two of you. You could do viral dance trends <laughs> and give us advice on password protection. Go. Interesting. While doing the jive. Interesting. Interesting. I love it. Um, but no, we J- can Jennifer, you of... may have to coach us on that. And on. That's, uh... I can do that. That is my day job. Oh, right. Nice. <laughs> oh, there you have it. But, but, but Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and the Enigma series can be found on all those. Also on YouTube. So we have quite a few things on YouTube because of the audiobooks that the so we have little segments out there on YouTube and and of course the book trailers are out there as well and we'd love to have people go to uh, the Enigma series on YouTube and subscribe that would be awesome. Well, there you go. Yeah, the audible books are, uh, are quite surprising. We uh, 
we teamed up with a uh, an absolutely brilliant voice actor, um, and he does the uh, all of the uh, the techno thriller series uh, for us. And so uh, we've got the Audible. So if uh, if reading and uh, uh, on ebooks or hard copy is not your thing, um, I'm going to recommend the the Audible. Um, of, that we have available. Uh, one of the uh, listeners wrote in, griping, like, I can't, I can't believe you guys. I, I'm so irritated with you. I, I just, I said, what's the matter? I, I shot back and he goes, you know, I started on one of your, your books. I couldn't do anything the rest of the weekend. I mean, two through nine hours and, you know, you, you know, I want my time back. I said, did you enjoy the book? And he goes, well, yeah. Where's the next one? You know, <laughs> what can I say? You can't win them all. You can't please everybody all the time. There it is. Well, it's been fun having you on again. And, of course, now the book we're talking about is The Killer Enigma, Magnolia Bluff Crime Chronicles, book 16. Our guests have been the authors, that, uh, Charles Brakefield and Rox Berkey. So thank you for being here, guys. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, all shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Yeah. Good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.